AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of security trends and news. Full video of this program can be found on YouTube by searching for AT&T Threat Track. Hey, Ganesh, tell us, uh, tell us some more about these increased DDoS attacks you've been uh, catching. Well, thanks, George. Uh, there's a study, basically, a report put by SecureList about increased DDoS attacks, especially during the pandemic. Uh, they did some uh, comparative analysis and uh, uh, contrast in comparing with the last few quarters as well as from the last year at the same time of the year. And they came up with uh, some statistics. I'm going to pinpoint a few interesting facts uh, and see why there's increase in actually during this pandemic time. Uh, the first thing right off the bat and what they said is basically when they compared with the second quarter of last year and with the second quarter of this year, they attributed there's about 220% increase in the DDoS attacks happened during this quarter time. Again, if you compare this the same quarter two of 2020 with the quarter one of 2020, it's about 30% increase in actually DDoS attacks. Overall, if you come, if you take it, I think the takeaway is uh, there's certainly increase in the DDoS attacks happening this year compared to the last year's quarters. Uh, and the most important facts I think uh, I feel are the identification of two DDoS amplification attacks. Um, one is basically based on DNS, which they called it uh, NXNS attack which is basically a non-existent uh, name server attack. In this case, I think uh, uh, a, rogue, a, a rogue person basically sets up a rogue DNS server within his realm, but he sends a legitimate request to root servers, pointing out to uh, some of the servers which is under his control. What happens is by sending this one when the root server's response is, there's an amplification factor of about 1,620 times. That means for uh, one byte sent, there's about 16, 20 times amplification of the traffic. I think that kind of actually results in a huge amplification factor. And the second one uh, they identified during this quarter is, I mean, it's not by the secure list, but in the DDoS attacks, these are the new tactics they incorporated in addition to uh, various SIN flags, the UDP flags, all the other flags, actually, they do it. The second one is called RainJamp which is related to HTTP. I think it's the way how the HTTP range request implementation is being done. It seems to be prevalent only in the content distribution networks. Uh, there are two ways actually this can be carried out. I think there's two methods this can be done. Uh, but the key factor is I think uh, when this specific range AMP attack actually has been implemented, there's about 700 to 43,000 times amplification based on, uh, I think, how the CDN network is configured. Uh, but luckily for both of them, uh, updates are available. And, uh, I think uh, somebody has to basically check what version of they have and get the appropriate patches to basically minimize the risk in this case. And uh, one important factor is actually, I think uh, the number of attacks happening per day in each day actually kind of peaked at 300 and sometime in April, uh, which is uh, not uh, quite a norm. I think uh, that's a huge increase if you take out any day. Uh, and one interesting trend is uh, attacks from the botnet seems to be always high on Wednesdays or Thursdays and kind of slowing down or peaking down on Saturdays. Uh, 
I think more like I think seems like you know following the hump day kind of thing. Uh, and based on their analysis, the one interesting fact is almost about 95% of the attacks are simplex, uh, which is basically just sending the regular simplex and involving the targets and the victims basically uh, not serving the purpose what they intend to be serviced. Uh, what are the prime targets? The prime targets are educational institutes and governments are the primary targets with the mix of other, uh, other industries. But these are the two primary targets. And that seems to be changed, I think, at the start of June. Uh, June. I guess uh, educational institutions have been off the, off the targets list. I believe that's, that's due to the fact in US, especially in the US region, that's the time of the summer vacation for the schools. Probably that's one of the reasons they have been not targeted during, uh, since June. And hopefully, I think uh, it remains that way. And uh, one important factor seems to be when they compared to Windows as well as Linux-based botnets, uh, most of the majority seems to be by the IoT slash Linux-based botnets, which was about 94% of the attacks. And uh, one important factor, I think, uh, based on the experience, if we compare it to the previous years, uh, any of the DDoS reports, most of the most of the reports, they, they tend to say typically April to June is basically, I think, a slow period in the DDoS attack vector. But this year, it seems to be, the trend seems to be reversed. And that's where one of the reasons they're, they're kind of attributing, because that's a fact, I think, that is during the time everybody in the world started working from remotely. I think uh, when people are working from remotely, there could be some, some somewhat uh, lack in security. I think they will be the prime targets. Prime targets in the sense they will be the easiest targets to attack. And also nowadays at home, everybody has multiple devices, right? If one device is compromised, they may get multiple devices which they can incorporate into the botnet. So those are the interesting uh, trends. I think uh, because of the reasons they're saying actually the DDoS attacks, in fact, increased during the top quarter of second quarter of 2020. Typically, we have like a, a high increase like during the winter holidays, right? Or something like that seems to be. So now we're mm -hmm. seeing it peaking earlier. Is that, you know, is that going to continue? Or do you think that that will continue through the, the winter holidays or, or maybe even go higher? <laughs> um, um, personally, I hope it, 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 everything comes down. But uh, I'm afraid to say probably we'll say more and more, uh, especially in our uh, education institutes are opening up and they may be targeted again. Mm -hmm. That will definitely increase the attack surface a little bit, as well as, as you alluded, John, I think with the holiday season around the corner, again, we will see lots of, um, lots of DDoS attacks, especially towards the gaming industries. Yeah. So, uh, I, I may see it, it may be inching towards upwards rather than coming down downwards. Okay. Yeah, you, you mentioned Ganesh too that um, they were mm -hmm. they were part of one of the popular days were Wednesdays. You said right when they would start the yeah. attacks. Yeah, the the peak of the attacks were either Wednesdays or Thursdays. Okay. Uh, I guess, uh, I mean, uh, it's basically, I think, falls to uh, mid midday for uh, based on the geographic location, right? I think uh, it okay. may be. Yeah, they, they know they'll catch people whether they're later in the week or earlier. Okay. I that's was just true. thinking maybe yeah. maybe that's uh -huh. trying to line up with people's 
uh, patch schedules because most people follow Microsoft's Patch Tuesday, so maybe they're like, okay, most everybody patches on Tuesday. If we start on Wednesday, a lot of companies don't want to break their their schedules, right? So they'll have up until the following patch, uh, mm -hmm. week two patch, even though this isn't necessarily patch. You know, Microsoft patches are not necessarily going to fix the infected uh, host, but uh, I don't know if maybe that's something that maybe they're using yeah, as a true. guide. Um, I'm not sure, but that's an interesting observation. But for example, as you alluded, if you take the Microsoft uh, patches, it happens once a month, right? Uh, right. It's not going to happen every Wednesday or Thursday. Probably there's, there, there might be something. Maybe it might be there might be there's more bang for the buck if they if they choose to attack on Wednesdays and Thursdays rather than on uh, rest of the days. Uh, but uh, yes. uh, for the comparative purposes, uh, definitely it's higher. But if you look at the, in, in actually in their posting in SecureList, they have some beautiful graphs explaining things around. Uh, you can see the trend. Uh, there's not much difference. There's a significantly higher, but there's not much difference when compared to other days also. So anything else uh, from, the, from the story, uh, Ganesh, about what might be coming coming our way <laughs> you know in the future i uh, I, I think uh, the interesting thing is um i kind of um, worried about the the two ddos attack vectors and xms attack uh, because of the amplification and also the range amp i think uh, that's more worrisome uh, because of the amplification factor but luckily there there are some sort of patches available and they did some study on uh, various cdn networks and uh, they have various actually levels of amplification. I think um, the key factor is if are exploited, the amplification is so huge, it's really difficult to defend against them. I mean, uh, we are talking about almost like a 40,000 times amplification in some cases within uh, range AM. So, so yeah, I, I think uh, volumetrically they're growing bigger and bigger. That's a little worrisome. Uh, luckily, I think uh, we have patches. I think uh, whoever is actually having uh, some sort of a defense mechanism, they should look into actually tackling these two new DDoS attack vectors in addition to the what we already know. George, I understand our friends from TA542 are back. Yeah, so uh, thanks, John. So yeah, they... Uh... So they took a break right for about five months, I guess it was, um, this year. Um, and they just came back um, in July. Um, it appears that July 17th seems to be one of the first times they've seen the campaign begin. Um, Proofpoint has been watching this. Um, they are seeing about um, 1 million emails per day coming mm -hmm. in that match the footprint on this campaign. Um, there, there are a few tweaks to, to, to what the usual um, the what usual messages are, nothing major, but there are some tweaks enough to, to write it up on. Um, there are some specific times that they're sending them now, it looks like. They start between 1 a.m. Um, and 5 a.m. Eastern time, um, which is interesting. Um, they're using, again, the same, you know, PDF attachments, macros, um, the usual, you know, click URL, clickbait links. Um, so a lot of that kind of is similar. Um, what seems to be kind of changes, some few changes that they're noticing, um, that the payload is being dropped 
but it seems like by QBot, I know TrickBot and Emotet were working kind of close for a while there, um, but it looks like QBot has gotten involved um, and they're dropping their payload through the emails. Um, they list in the article a few of the actual, uh, I guess the, the campaign words, the partner zero one payload, um, and then the QBot affiliate, which is HHHXX. Uh, that was seen back last year. Um, they're, they're also sending some of the attachments and some of these emails are actually benign attachments um, and some of them are malicious ones. So I find that that's interesting. I guess some of the alarming is catching some benign stuff and it's mixing in some, some malicious attachments with that. Um, there are a few bugs in the code that they found, like some empty macros. Um, some placeholders. Uh, one of the things that I find interesting is now that they're actually, and I think they've been doing this before, but more so in this case, maybe because of the work from home um, situation, uh, that they're using uh, language and they're actually able to translate the email based on the geolocation, um, which, you know, I know in the past they would, you know, sometimes they would just spray out a language and hope that it hits a few people, but yeah. it looks like they're using geolocation now to to get the, the language correct. It's always been kind of the trick we always tell people, look for typos and grammar right. and spelling, and, and I suspect they're getting better at that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, and the fact that they're, that they're probably automating it, um, probably means they have quite a bit of data already on mm. the world, right, which is scary. Um, so they've already amassed all of this data and they probably know, all right, you know, we can send it in this direction, so we know how to flip it here, we know how to flip it there. As this gets, you know, uh, you know, I'm, in my experience, I have seen the, the, the campaigns, um, and it's not just Emotet, but they all kind of, they all kind of seem, seem to mesh into a similar, you know, behavior, right? all the files type of malware. Um, and they do seem to be slightly improving or modifying themselves in a way to be not seen by certain controls and seen by other controls. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting to see them more. Um, it's, it's getting harder and harder to tell who's what or what's what because they all kind of take pieces from each other um, and, and some of them roll their own. Uh, but in this case, um, yeah, the, the new Emotet, that's out now this, with these slightly modified ones, they're also saying that they're finding them injecting themselves into conversation threads. Um, you know, which uh, I know that's also based on data that they've gotten back from, from users, or, uh, you know, exactly how, I don't know, but the, the scary thing about injecting into an email conversation is that it could also mean that they're already inside of a network, um, uh, which is scary. They could have a compromised host where they're looking through emails and they can kind of See the kind of conversations that go on, and based on that email box, they can push out, you know, to the rest of the company and kind of, kind of stick themselves into a thread. And you know, everybody's email now—well, that's like a 1990s quote. Not that everybody's email now; it's just that everybody's so working from home, and the only real way to communicate is either through chat or email. So I feel like there's a lot more emails coming in. People are clicking a lot more stuff because this is how we are communicating right now, for the most part. Um, there's probably a little more carelessness because we're trying to get more work done without being face-to-face. -face. Um, so you have less time to kind of look over the email and every, you know, I guess every Excel spreadsheet attachment looks the same to some people. 
even though the naming is different. Um, but yeah, so um, it's quite a bit of, you know, interesting twist on this emotet. Um, a couple points, George. I, I think the usage yeah. of the language local, um, you said even though they're using the base and longer local, I, I guess uh, within the article itself, what they said, based on the reason they're actually serving the different types of spamming. For example, uh, in case of, I think, Asia Pack region, especially I think targeting Japanese speak, speaking people yeah. okay. about, I think, uh, about crypto mining. I, I guess that that's a, that's a hot topic in uh, Japanese wow. speaking language area. And I, I guess I also seen an email, a spam email, basically targeting Indian people with the Hindi-based language theme. So actually, they're kind of picking up the topics of the actually reason and the tailoring based on that topic. That's uh, that's I think uh, it's more more actually kind of focused and localized to the region they're trying to target. So that's, that's crazy. Very subtle, <laughs> yeah, that's subtle change. And also, as you pointed out, uh, yeah, actually, emoted always moved from one threat to another threat, right? It's always been a blended threat. We've seen with the EarthSniff, then moved on to, um, I think, uh, with, uh, with what's that uh, trick bot, then we moved on to QBot now. Yeah. So I guess the move might be, I think a few a few, few weeks ago, there was uh, some researchers basically figured out a way to thwart this emoted threat. And he put in some um, countermeasures and there was a specifically drop in traffic. But with this one, it seems like it's back into the usual realms. Actually, I was looking at the chart from a proof point where they're showing actually the last three, day, uh, three years worth of uh, emoted campaign. There was a basically, as uh, George pointed out, I think five to five months of a lull period, but again, I think it's backing up to the usual levels. Yeah. I also keep thinking about what, what do you tell people? You know, and you kind of you kind of mentioned it a little bit, George, too. What do you tell people? How do you prevent yourself? I mean, we know we talk tools of proof point, we talk tools of other these, all these antivirus vendors, but you almost have to wonder, you know, should there not be you know, it's user education, right? You don't open an email attachment from somebody you don't know, right? <laughs> How many times have we said that? You know, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, you don't do that. But I mean, is there anything else that, you know, you might have, you know, from your experience, you know, like what to tell, you know, like friends and neighbors, you know, grandma, what do you tell grandma, you know, not to do or, or to do? <laughs> yeah. So, so that's tough. Yeah, right. That's because, you know, we'll say something, right? And then the bad actors will, will and not just because we say it, but just, this, you know, the group, the society in general of, of security researchers will say it. I would say, like, from what I'm seeing, uh, but this is, I guess, maybe slightly, too slightly technical, is we see a similarity in the attachments, right? Like, and maybe this could be something that corporations can do from the inside as part of their awareness campaign. But, like, you know, I, I see a similarity in the, in the zip file that sends out. Um, and there, every campaign pretty much uses the same file name for that zip file. Um, I mean, the odds on somebody sending a zip, and I've seen the majority now, are zip files that are fileless, um, okay. in my experience. Um, and then those are opened, right? Because the instructions and emails say, hey, we have a spreadsheet for you for the statement of this month or whatever. Please open a zip file. And, and, uh, and you open the Excel spreadsheet or the Word doc, and then you enable macros. I mean, it's like so many. 
so many <laughs> steps you would think. How many files do you have to go? How many times, John, do you have to go through that many steps, right, to get something? Yeah. Usually, if I buy something online, it's either going to come up right in the body of the email in HTML, right, or it's a simple document or a PDF, which we know are bad. Also, um, I don't but know. Your, zip, your zip question is <laughs> your zip comment is, is great too. You think how many times have you gotten a zip email in an email with a zip attached? Right, right. Yeah, very few. And and maybe so that'll cover one. So I would say like from a corporation standpoint, um, maybe if the security teams are close enough to the compliance or the awareness team, they can relay that info and say, hey, here's what we're seeing now. You see mm -hmm. this stuff, right? But, you know, it's hard, right, to keep that connection current and up-to-date and real-time. Um, and then how do we stop the PDFs? How do we stop the Excel? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You just asked a question that probably <laughs> is one of the hardest answers. And uh, yeah. the only thing you, I can say is if you don't remember requesting something that specific, Hmm. then move on like you know check that sender you know check the sender out just click on the sender maybe highlight over see what the the actual name is not just great, the display great, great name tip. but great see tip. the email address great tip. right i mean i get stuff from apple saying that you know hmm. the app that i tried to buy failed and i have to log in and change my password like okay when i highlight over the sender's address it's a mile long. It's <laughs> a yeah. bunch of random characters, and usually, right? and usually a Gmail. Unfortunately, not to pick on Gmail, but it's a lot of times it's a Gmail account. You think, well, why would they? Why would this company be using this email address, right? Not their own company name. There you go. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, so that's it's a true. tough. It's a tough question to answer, but yeah, it's it's a good question. That's <laughs> probably the best uh, one uh, you can ask. <laughs> I, I think uh, any of these uh, security countermeasures should have defensive layers. I think. Uh, that's the best way to, you know, if one fails, a method fails, you, you may able to catch up with another mechanism. I, I was just thinking, you know, we think about the times that we self-fish ourselves, right? We always, you know, that's always a good thing to have it to get into. And you think, how often do we catch ourselves, you know, educated, you know, tools and users, and they still click on these things? The accountability, right? What do you, how do you discipline somebody, right, to the point where you think that it's, the discipline is going to be, Productive. It's going to be effective. You're not going to potentially insult somebody, and that they'll remember the next time. There's so many factors uh, from a work perspective, um, and then it's from the home perspective. It's a whole other world, right? Like it could, yeah. Just you don't remember requesting it. Take the second look. You know. Yeah, it's great advice. Or you know what? Just leave it alone. And if they really want it, they'll resend it. Right? That's it. Ignore it. I mean, it works for me 50% of the time, anyway. <laughs> Well, and, and I say that too, like, like you get the email from the IRS or you get the email from such and such and you think that they're, they're going to they're gonna send me a piece of mail, physical mail, if it's that important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good afternoon, John. You have a really interesting story and basically some Android botnet trying to um, siphon off some money from the, you know, fraudulently from unknowing, for unknowing victims. Could you elaborate and especially I like the headline of the story. Sure, sure, Ganesh. Yeah, it, it's it, this. This actually, the story caught my attention for two reasons. One is, it, it's kind of a meme about you know they, they call it the, you know the shoe is a lie, which is is an, mm -hmm. an old meme. But there's also the 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 story that you get about depending on how you want to pronounce it, Tan Staffel, right? The, the old Robert Heinlein. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. So so mm -hmm. what these these, these uh, attackers are doing is they are 
put, they put out apps out on the Google Play Store, actually, and nothing that was observed as suspicious. There was no ad revenue. I mean, it looked pretty normal. I, I think Google, you know, did the best that they could. And these these apps actually advertised free shoes. <laughs> so if you got the, the app, you would like sign up or whatever. You either get boots or sneakers or whatever. You know, there was a couple different versions of these apps. And you would sign up for these things. And they'd say, oh, we're going to ship them to you in 14 days. And you mm -hmm. think, okay, great. So you're sitting there waiting. Well, in the background, what this app was doing was performing click fraud. And so what that means is, is that they were, they would actually go to various websites that would pay the app to redirect advertisers to them, or advertisements to them. So like, let's say you say, Hey, if, if I, if you show me your ad for, um, you know, you know, Joe's auto garage or whatever, I will give you a penny. You know, it's, it's small amount of money. It builds up quite a bit rapidly. Uh, the model does. And so what these guys were doing is they were actually going to these sites, getting this click fraud and so many click, but, the, the trick to this whole thing is ad, ad and click fraud is, is pretty normal. But the fun part of this one was, is that they were actually doing it and pretending because of, of, of a problem with some of these apps, they were pretending to be a legitimate, genuine app. So when the, 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 the good sites, the good people would see these, they would say, oh, these, this is the real thing. This is not some, you know, some, you know, fly by night app. This is not some fake thing. It's actually a real product that, you know, that we would pay to. And then, but they would funnel this money to the, to this, the fraudsters. Um, there, there are some solutions. There's some ways to prevent that. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a neat little trick, um, you know, and then the customers were starting to complain because they weren't getting their free shoes. <laughs> Again, no such thing as a free lunch guys, <laughs> you know, but uh they, they wouldn't get their free shoes, so they started putting in bad reviews of these apps. Google caught it. They figured it out. But, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that, you know, you just got to recognize that, you know, that it, it's it's not easy to do, I'll be honest with you. But but it's but once it works, you get a way to do this. You can generate a lot of revenue really quick by by doing this click fraud. Um, so so th there's a couple of recommendations. You know that you can say there's there's actually a setting there's a what they call app-ads.txt file that the publishers can put in that will prevent they'll say hey who who's allowed to actually um you know be uh, an, an ad revenue generation so it, it actually kind of limits some of the controls there um there's also you know various things that advertisers you know and and, and whatnot can say to say where's my stuff going to mm -hmm. but 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 in the end you know, it, it's it's pretty difficult to prevent this click fraud. Um, and, you know, Google took these two apps uh, that are mentioned in this article down. But, you know, it, it's it's still kind of a question in my mind is how much revenue, you know, was, I don't want to say lost, but how much revenue was generated by these, by these fraudsters. Yeah, I think, uh, John, like you said in the beginning of the um, discussion, there's no free lunch. <laughs> it comes from to the same point. And again, actually, I think uh, it ties up with the story which actually George talked about. Basically, it comes to the user awareness. I think uh, you elaborate a little bit on um, you know, user awareness, so clicking with something else. I guess in this case also, maybe some of those things needs to be carried over. It's like I have responsibilities. Um, I think uh, in this case also on the user side. Uh, 
to play at a little bit cognizant whether it's, is it really true or not. Of course, I mean, Google, Apple, they are doing the best they can do, but sometimes they're falling through. There's so many apps. Sometimes uh, they just fall through the cracks. And besides, so what are the recommendations you you kind of uh, advise to the users? Yeah, there, there's there's a couple things. One is the good thing is is the users aren't getting attacked, right? They're they're not losing money. This mm -hmm. is just advertisers. So, you know, some people will say, well, that's not my problem. <laughs> you know, that's, mm -hmm. which I disagree with because it turns into you know it's like the old, you know, if I steal stuff, enough stuff from a store, the price has got to go up to cover it. But the yeah. the I think it's just it's one of those things like like you said you know it's there's no such thing as a free lunch don't expect something for free for just you know for for breathing that's just not it's not how things work in this yeah, world yeah. And, and the other thing is is that if you're installing an app even from legitimate stores like the iTunes store and Google Play you know what even even the PC versions okay. you need to be aware of what you're installing you know, it's is is it around? Look at the reviews. Look at look at what it said about it. Is this a new? You know, new products come on the market all the time, but you got to just kind of be careful. Mm -hmm. If it's somebody new, somebody's new offering something, it just seems a little little fishy. You know, maybe you don't give. You know, maybe you wait it out a little bit, even though you might miss out on that free pair of sneakers. <laughs> maybe you just wait it out and just think to yourself, you know, I really don't want to give out any information, even if that information is just installing on the phone, because there's a certain yeah. loss of privacy that happens when you install any app on any device. That's a really good point. I mean, there's no other way, unless you accept it, there's no, no way you could be able to install any app. Yeah. So that's, that's right there, we're giving up some information to get that app onto our devices. That's a really good point, John. Some of them have pretty high ranking privileges on whatever device they're on yep um mm. and they can get their hooks pretty deep into the device i mean they mentioned this it's like a botnet and so you can imagine like maybe maybe you know they made a few bucks on the click fraud right maybe they're, they're ready to launch something bigger and they're like you know what it didn't take us much time to get on these devices um, um it doesn't take much more than a simple line of code right to to try to compromise something small yep um you know so we got some some money in a short period of time, like you said, you can generate a, a lot of revenue. Um, would they say 65,000 posts or, or something like that? I mean, you, you can generate a lot of revenue in advertising. Um, but your, your, so points were, your points scary. were valid too, George, is that if you think about it, one line line of code that said, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're having experience in delay. You need to install this other app, you know, or you need to click this mm -hmm. button, you know, or you need to give me this a new address or your credit card number or, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's scary. It's almost like they'll start this way, and then they'll be like, okay, we can get a foothold. So, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe these devices that that are that already have this app, even though they were removed from the app store, you know, they removed the app from the device. Um, you know, a lot of people root their devices. A lot of people want control, control, which which is cool, but at the same time. It gives mm. a little more risk, right? So, <laughs> very cool. Very interesting uh, concept, yeah. Good afternoon, John and George. Uh, let's take a look at uh, this week's uh, most probed ports as well as the most probed sources in our internet weather. Uh, this is for the past week ending yesterday, uh, which is end of the month for August. 
And here we are showing actually the top 10 most probed ports. Um, the way it is actually uh, the ranking from the last week, how much it's changed in the last column. Basically, if you look at the top three, which are 23, I mean, I, I ignore 88 ICMP, which is related to pings, and also 445 TCP. Uh, these are all always, I think uh, in the past few months, uh, if you look at, I think uh, most of the top five ports are always there. They're just kind of switching the places here and there, but they're kind of staying in the top position. For example, uh, 23, there's no change from last week to this week. And we all know 23 is typically associated with the telnet, even though it's telnet, it's uh, heavily abused by IoT-based botnets and as well as the Linux-based botnets. 445, but there are lots of vulnerabilities, even though there are some uh, hard bleeds as well as SMB bleed and other, other uh, basically other related exploits which target 445 TCP are prevalent. I think uh, because of these reasons, this port is also heavily targeted by the attackers. It's interesting to see 443 TCP, which jumped actually four positions from last week to position number four. But in this case, I think uh, with the brief analysis, it seems like uh, just increasing the volume of the traffic, nothing much. I could be able to attribute it. And uh, at, the, uh, at the position five is uh, SSH for 22 TCP. Uh, I'm surprised to see actually it kind of dropped a couple of positions. Typically, uh, 22 and 23, they kind of uh, switch places at the top, like first and second positions. But nevertheless, it's still in the top five. Uh, 3389, it remained at the sixth position, which is uh, RDP. Uh, I, I guess RDP, RDP port nowadays are actually heavily used by lots of uh, uh, ransomwares to get into the environments, into the networks, and to stay hidden. I think uh, it's also heavily used and heavily targeted ports. 1433 is MS SQL, one of the database server ports. 80, we all know, is the typical HTTP port. Um, I come back to ninth, but the rounding up at the tenth is eight five four five, which is Ethereum port. We talked about lots of times about Ethereum, but the at the number nine is the port five zero three eight, which is kind of actually jumped 13, 37 positions to crack into the top ten. What is five zero three eight? I have a few slides actually explaining what we are seeing, what really happening here. Uh, this is the last 30 days of uh, graphical representation of uh, on our common backbone traffic, what we are seeing with respect to this port. What is 5038? I think it's, a, it's, a, it's basically used by asterisk management interface, um, which is like a wide-based service. But as you see in the last 30 days, um, there were like a couple of weeks actually the number of scan probes are relatively low, but I think uh, since a week or 10 days, it's kind of ramped up. I think because of the reason, uh, the, way our, uh, the way our actually thresholding works, because it's been uh, lulled for a couple of weeks, again, it came back, I think it kind of jumped so many positions to, cracking, to crack open into the top 10 position. And, and interestingly, then, Right, I try to look at the number of scanners, or either rather you call a number of scan sources occurring on this port are very minimal, not many, basically. I think uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in the last 30 days, the number of scanners actually kind of uh, 
decreased from at the peak of 17 to about four or five. I think I'm seeing around six to seven in the last two days. But nevertheless, but even though the number of sources have dropped, but the amount of the scanning happening has drastically increased. That's what this uh, actually this graph is uh, representing. Even the number of scanners are low, but the amount of the volume of scanning basically almost doubled. Uh, where are these the scan sources uh, geographically distributed? Uh, most of them are in the European region, and I think uh, one particular scanner is coming from uh, Singapore uh, region. And th these are basically remain constant. I think uh, there are a couple of additions, like one or two scan IPs from the European region. But more or less, I think uh, there are only small set of scanners happening on this board. But because of uh, Oh, one more thing I want to point it out, 5038 typically is a low volume port in the sense if we compare with the high volume traffic ports like 80, 443, 22 TCP, the relative volumes are relatively smaller compared to them. Because of the reason, I think even the little variation in the volume of the traffic, it reflects as a huge jump in, uh, in our ranking. So you, don't, so you don't think that there's a new vulnerability on that or, or <laughs> maybe there is? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I do not know. I couldn't be able to figure it out the specific vulnerability, John. Uh, but th this is based on our actually sinkholing data and some some actions. I could be able to attribute some some information to it. Mm -hmm. uh, what's this port actually? That's some information I bought from the asterisk.org, What this port is used for? That's the difference there. But most of these are internet scanners. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, they are just doing the bulk scanning, and uh, most of them are performing brute force login attempts. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, in the right side side, I, I kind of um, I took out the, actually some information, but as you can see, there are a couple of examples. They're trying to brute force into username cron, admin. There is also asterisk some other, I think, a different uh, setup for user and password combinations. They were constantly trying to get try those combinations to get into it. Uh, as in the pie chart below, as you can see, I think 14% of the traffic we are seeing in our sinkhole data seems to be wipe related, and about 22%. I mean, 21% is HTTP related. So I guess it's a combination of traffic happening here. But I think based on this data, I could say. It's more likely some sort of, uh, I think, brute force attempts are happening with on this port. It's also the fact I think uh, nowadays people are working from home. Uh, you know, if, if it's easier to spoof with the wipe data, I think we can spoof the calling numbers to trick users to you know oh. do something wishing or something like that. Yeah, I was uh, just gonna say, it looks like this asterisk uh, is a manager for like PBX systems, right? Yes, um, yes. So this would be like a perfect time. I've definitely seen an increase in robocalls uh, on my device in the last couple of weeks or months. Mm -hmm. can't believe it's been months. But uh, so I think this is an interesting, clever moment for them to try to get themselves into a, like a, a PBX central manager uh, to try to make, to try to spoof, like you said, spoof caller IDs. Because yeah. it's very easy to do that once you have control of yeah. the PBX. So. Yeah, I, I think based on what we are seeing from our telemetry, I think uh, that's the best to guesstimate, I guess. Now, uh, now, if there are no more questions, we'll move on to the more sources probing. 
it's similar to the previous uh, previous chart, but it's uh, now we are looking at the sources, the scan sources happening, what kind of scanning happening. Uh, basically, uh, again, we found the same thing again, uh, changes from last week and what's the number this week, what's the position this week. And the top four actually, they remain constant. I think this is what we typically see. 445, 23, 80, 14, 33, sometimes you see 22 on the top. Uh, but at the fifth position is 53 UDP. I thought that's interesting. It's not that often we see 53 UDP cracking into the top 10. Uh, and 8080 TCP is also another alternate to HTTP port. And 80, uh, I mean, 8 ACMP and 0 ACMP, most often times they are the byproducts of uh, DDoS attacks. I think uh, it's a backscatter of the traffic. 22 is again SSH. Uh, 555 TCP is, uh, is actually uh, Android debug port. And uh, even though it's used by ADB, it's, uh, it's most often times used by lots of IoT botnets for uh, exploitation. And looking at the 53 UDP, um, even though it jumped five positions, uh, if I'm looking at the last 30 days, except for the couple a couple of days ago, I think over the weekend, the traffic seems to be pretty much actually constant. Uh, here, I, I think I have to I have to key in the point. In this case, we are looking at the protocol share in the sense. Um, what is the share of this specific port 53 UDP with respect to the protocol UDP? So in that scenario, there, there's this increase in actually traffic. That's why we saw the increase in the in the positioning. But nevertheless, when I looked at the traffic, there's uh, I mean there are lots of activity going on to maybe um, like so uh, uh, like uh, open DNS kind of lookups are happening. But nothing really malicious or maybe out of the ordinary. But uh, but based on based on the timeline, like it happened two days ago, um, I may be I may be I may be actually leaning to attribute to recent actually centrally gout has happened during the weekend. Maybe during the weekend something is in is they're trying to look for that specific centrally based domains and they couldn't be able to real. Um, resolve and maybe they're trying to look up for open DNA, something like that. But uh, other than that, I couldn't able to uh, concretely identify what is the reason for that uh, big spike. Uh, and the next one, the uh, next port I want to talk about is 55TCP, as I said, Android debug port. Uh, it's also used by lots of uh, actually small, uh, small home and uh, home routers. Uh, again, the, still there is increasing traffic, but there are, I think, uh, the increase is due to the spikes happened uh, like a couple times. Like uh, last week, end of last week, there's a huge spike in the number of uh, volume of the tra volume of the flows, as well as a little spikes in the last two days. So, again, looking at our uh, telemetry data, it looks like actually it's looking for. Uh, Confirmation is it's basically looking for ADB, which is a Android debug port, uh, and also basically there are a couple of malware actually using this port uh, propagated. Uh, there's a good write-up actually by Trend Labs about this um, 555 TCP usage by one of the botnets. 
uh, I guess uh, that kind of confirms from our telemetry data also the, whatever the activities happening is related to, in fact, to the ADB. Again, uh, the pie chart here gives the breakdown of what we're really seeing it. About 43% uh, is ADB, and there's some mix of HTTP. In the sense, I think uh, nowadays, uh, most of the scanners, they try to brute force an each and every port to open with the different password combinations. So I'm not surprised to see HTTP also here, but the key point is the ADB is definitely involved in this case also. It's interesting. I, I, I'm always a little concerned about that 5555 you know, with the ADB just because Android is such a prevalent device and, and people don't, you know, they, they often turn that on. It, it requires a lot of work to actually do it, but there's surprisingly a number of people who turn that on to be internet facing. I think uh, that, that's what the bad actors are looking for um, under the radar ports, which by default will be open. Yeah. yeah, and we know RDP has been huge since the stay at home, right? Because a lot of yeah. companies standing up, you know, servers to be accessed remotely and yeah. just bringing them up without applying any kind of security or maybe out of the box security and just trying to get people working again and uh, not thinking through it, you know? So I know RDP was huge. Yeah, that, that, that's always the case. I think uh, um, as long as I remember, uh, at least uh, this RDP port is always in the top, uh, top position. Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.